All right, if you can have a seat, if you're at one of our physical locations or if you're watching from our online campus, wherever you may be, welcome. My name is Daniel Y. I get the honor and privilege of leading and serving our kids and student ministry teams here at Northridge. Uh, and you are in week three of a series that we're calling Marked By. And this week we're talking about joy. Uh, and this series marked by uh, blank, fill in the blank, and we're talking about joy this morning, is walking through the fruit of the Spirit or the characteristics of the Spirit, which can be found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Um, and what's really cool about getting to talk about joy this morning is uh, if you remember just back a previous weeks, the previous series we did was over the book of Philippians. And Philippians' central theme is joy. So I made it my personal mission in this message to not reference the book of Philippians one time. Uh, because joy can be found all over the Bible, not just in one singular book. Like in the Old Testament, the book of Jeremiah talks about the joy that comes from a wedding. Or the book of Proverbs references joy that can be found in good friendships, uh, in, a, in a good marriage, and in the birth of a child. And then the book of Ecclesiastes references the joy that can be found in enjoying a good meal or a good glass of wine. And I even have my own definition when I think about joy. As I was sitting and just thinking about that word, the first thing that came to my mind was uh, the joy that I felt uh, on my wedding day, the very first time I saw my bride. And there's a picture of it um, there. And I had to scour all of our wedding pictures to find a picture that I did not look just ugly crying in. Uh, because joy expressed itself in liquid from me that day. Uh, and I cried so many times. And so, uh, but I just thought about the joy that I felt in, in within me the first time uh, I saw my, my wife. And uh, another picture that, that I thought of and, and I found may not really display joy very much, but um, this next picture is from my junior year of high school after the first game of the regional playoffs uh, in basketball. And uh, let me explain a little context behind why there was a lot of joy in that moment. Uh, because going into that game, we were the dead last seed. We made it in, as Old Southern saying says, by the skin of our teeth. Uh, like we barely made it in. Um, but we were that means we were playing the number one seed in the tournament, uh, who was 33-0, like a shoe-in to win the state playoffs that year. And needless to say, after that game, they were 33-1. And, uh, and we, we went on, Cinderella story, we made it all the way to the, the Final Four um, that year and got beat on a buzzer beer. Yeah, no claps there. But, uh, but anyway, so why, why is that joyful? So um, we were gentlemen on the court after the game, but we had so much ex excitement uh, within us. And uh, we got in the locker room, coach did his rah-rah speech, like, let's go get him tomorrow night. Um, and then I don't know how it happened. I don't know whose idea it was in the midst of it. But after coach walked out of the locker room, we did the hokey pokey. I don't know why we did it. I have no idea. And some of you are like, oh, that's hilarious. Others are like, what's the hokey poke? Well, let me give you a small taste of that. So it's like you put your right hand in, you bring your right hand out, put your right hand in, and then you shake it all about, and then you do all the hokey poke. So you do the whole thing. And we did it every game after we won all the way to the state semis. I don't know whose idea it was. Still this day when I see former teammates, we're like, remember when we did the hokey pokey? Uh, but it was just this feeling, and joy can be at, started out at some level as just something that's within you that you can't leave there. You have to get it out of you, and it's a feeling that you have that you don't care who sees it, who hears it. Uh, you just got to express that joy, and, and I believe that's why thinking about Christian joy, the, the, gospel, uh, the New Testament writer Peter in his letter of 1 Peter says in verse 8 of chapter 1 these words. He says, 
You believe in him, that's Jesus he's referencing, and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. That word inexpressible means to, can't be described by words. And then uh, the word glorious means to praise, glorify, be expecting. And, and that's why Christian joy at the beginning, the first definition I want to give you is, is a good feeling or emotion in the soul. You know, and Christian joy is way more than a feeling and, or an emotion, but we have to start there. We have to start that Christian joy is a good emotion or feeling in the soul. And, and I'm not a doctor or a scientist by any stretch of the imagination, uh, so I had to Google, what is an emotion? What is a feeling? And, and Google told me uh, this definition, simple, is emotions are psychological states that are generated by our subconscious. They are bodily responses to either external or internal events. Ultimately, by that definition, just simply, like you have little to no control over emotions that you experience in your life. Like, I think, think of it like this. If you were camping, tent camping in the Adirondacks, and you flip on a lantern in your tent, and then you see the silhouette of a bear outside your tent, like, you don't sit there and think, like, okay, that's a bear. I should be afraid. Emotion begin. Like, no, like, it's just like your heart starts racing, adrenaline releases in your body, and you get ready to either fight or flight. Um, and if you're anything like me, you're running really, really fast, right? And kicking somebody who's close to you. Um, but anyway, so that's an emotion. So you, it just happens within you based on an internal or external event in your life where a feeling is different. It's driven by your conscious thoughts and reflections. A feeling in your life is, is generated by what you fix your focus in on in your life. And joy can be both these things. It actually is. It's generated from what's within and around us. And it's generated by what you fix your focus on in your life. But we have to talk more specifically, if we're thinking about joy the way that the Bible describes joy, um, joy can be seen as more than a feeling. And I know that because of this. In 2 Corinthians 6.10, Paul talks about being sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. He says he is sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. You see, the word sorrow means to be grieving, where the word joy means to be glad. And I don't know if you're like anything like me, but I don't experience both of these things in the same instant in my life, like, like Paul. Like there may be one or two circumstances I can think back to, but I don't know if on a normal basis I can say I am grieving and glad at the same time. And so Paul must be talking about something much deeper rooted than a temporary feeling or emotion, but he must be talking about something that's really deep in our lives. And so when we think about Christian joy, we have to get back to what did the author mean when he wrote the word joy? It has to mean something more than just a temporary feeling of happiness. And I want to take us to 1 Peter chapter 1, primarily this morning in verse 8, and I want to show you that deeper meaning. Paul said, or Peter says this, verse 8 again. Though you have not yet seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you. Now, two words in those few verses that I want to zero in on, joy and grace. 
And as, if you're anything like me, thinking about these two words, you're like, oh yeah, they have some slight relationship, but not a deep relationship with each other. Not at least the way that joy and happiness may have a relationship to each other, and then grace and mercy probably have a relationship to each other, but not joy and grace. But when I dug into the original language of, of Greek, I discovered that joy and grace share the exact same root word of karao. They're the exact same root, grace and joy, exact same root. So I want to give you a new definition for joy that we are going to focus in on this morning that expresses or shows that reality. And it's this, Christian joy is the result of dialing it in to God's grace. Christian joy is the result of dialing into God's grace. And this morning, I want us to show you that if you dial it in, and I use that word very intentionally of dial it in to God's grace, the result will be joy in your life. And if you're anything like me, growing up, I listened to music a lot, but primarily it was on something that looked kind of like this, an old AM, FM radio. It wasn't like I didn't have anything, uh, at least primarily growing up, that was the digital radio frequencies now, which if you listen to the radio in your car, if you have any kind of newer model car, uh, you have like a digital radio frequency, meaning that the radio either comes in or it doesn't. There's really no in-between of, of the buffering. You kind of get that message on your car radio like buffering or, or scanning, searching, whatever your car radio says. But on an AM, FM radio, you have a frequency um, that, that works off of, and you have to kind of dial it into that exact station that you want to listen to. Um, and if, you're, you, if you don't get it just right, you get static, that glorious sound of, of white noise static. And there could be a number of reasons why you could experience static while trying to listen to an AM, FM radio. Like um, the weather could be affecting your radio signal, like uh, the circumstances that you're in. You could be driving further away from the tower, and that impacts the radio frequency that you're getting. Uh, there may be a problem with your receiver or the station that you're trying to dial into, or a number of other reasons. And um, all those reasons I experienced on a regular basis as a kid um, when my dad and I would go backroading in roads in Arkansas. I would be his co-pilot, his DJ, his right-hand man, and I would be the guy searching the radio stations. And it would sound a lot like this when I begin to scan those stations together of just searching for something, anything to listen to. I was trying to find that right song with that ear just really quick, and I'm scanning through fast, back and forth, back and forth, trying to find that right song to listen to. And there would be these glimpses, these moments where I, my ear would just catch this song like, oh, I want to listen to that one. But it wasn't coming through just right. And so I would just focus with everything within me. I'm like, okay, a little bit to the right, a little bit to the left. And I'm just like trying to dial it in with everything within me. I'm like, I can do this. And it would get to this point where my dad would say, now, son, either dial it in or change the station. <laughs> because he's like, I don't want to listen to all that static. I don't want to listen to all that white noise. And you know, God's grace and the joy that we can experience if you're a follower of Jesus is similar to that. Because, you know, there was nothing wrong with that radio station producing music wherever they were coming from. The, the problem was on my end. I wasn't getting it just right. I wasn't focusing in. I wasn't getting that frequency dialed in to that radio station. Or maybe the problem was the, the weather. Or maybe the problem was with my receiver. But they were playing music. 
And in your life, if you're a follower of Jesus, your Christian joy isn't a one and done experience of just like, there's always joy getting produced in your life. Your following Jesus is a constant struggle of you dialing it in. Because as you live your life, you constantly drift and your focus begins to shift one direction or another because of a job or family circumstances or whatever may be going on in our world, your attention is constantly being pulled in different directions. And if you want an everlasting joy to be produced in your life, you have to constantly dial it in to God's grace, focus in on God's grace, and then joy will be the production in your life. So my invitation for you this morning is for if you're a follower of Jesus, dial it in. Dial it in to God's grace. But others of us, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, my invitation for you this morning is to change the station altogether. Because you're dialed into a station that you're expecting joy to be produced in your life that was never intended to produce ultimate joy. You're trusting in a relationship, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or a marriage to give you ultimate fulfillment in your life when you're putting a weight on someone else's shoulders that was never meant to bear that weight. Only Jesus was meant to carry that weight. Or maybe you're a parent and you're looking at your son or daughter or kids just to give you ultimate joy in your life. Or maybe you're looking at a job or that next promotion to give you that ultimate joy in your life. And all of those stations of joy, yeah, they work when the weather's right. They work when everything's going well, when you're getting those raises, when your boss is giving you those thumbs up, when your kids, they're listening, when that relationship, when you and that other person, when you're clicking and you're growing together. But there'll be a time when storm clouds come and the rain starts hitting and then that frequency of joy, you're just getting a lot of static. So my invitation for you is to change that station to a station that always comes through. That you can say, I can be sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. And to be able to say that, you've got to learn some things about joy. And the first one is this, that Christian joy is produced by the Holy Spirit. Christian joy is produced by the Holy Spirit. That just like that radio, that you can, you can be dialed into a station, but if that station ain't playing any music, you're not hearing anything. That it's only produced by the Holy Spirit. That God, in His Spirit, produces joy within your life when you dial it in to His grace. Because you never graduate from God's grace. You never graduate on to deeper things. You need to dial it in. Paul says in Romans 15, 13, May the God of all hope fill you with all joy. Fill you with all joy. Even in the Old Testament, David wrote in Psalm 1611, You make known to me the path of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence. That God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is the producer of joy in our lives. That we don't get joy and we, just ma- we don't manufacture it in our own lives. We don't be like, okay, I will be joyful. Go. It's like, no, you don't just will it into power. You lean on God. You focus in. You dial it into the frequency of his grace, and then joy is produced in your life by his Spirit's power. And the next thing you need to learn is that Christian joy is found as we experience Jesus at work. As we're leaning into Jesus working, we will see and begin to experience more joy in our lives. And you may ask the question, like, why is it so important for us to 
fix our focus on Jesus' work? Well, there's two primary places that you can experience Jesus at work. They're in the Word and in the world. In God's Word and in the world. And in God's Word, it's so important for us to see Jesus at work because the longer you read the Scriptures, the more that you'll realize that, man, if you're anything like me, this whole thing's about Him. From the beginning all the way to the end, this whole book is about Jesus. And it's about guilty people experiencing God's grace who never deserved it, but God constantly providing a way for his people to be in his presence. From the beginning all the way to the end, God is constantly working for his people to experience his presence and his grace. Because we are all just guilty people who've hurt God's heart, who've sinned against God, and in multiple ways all throughout Scripture and ultimately culminating in Jesus and His work at the cross, we get to experience God's grace. We don't deserve it, but we get God's grace because He's freely given us His Son and He did what we could not do on our behalf. He lived the life we couldn't live, died the death we deserved, and we get to experience God's grace because of that. And you know, Peter was one of those peoples who, people who experienced God's grace very closely he was one of Jesus' most closest followers and uh, best friends while he was walked this, on this earth. And um, he spent three long years becoming intimate, close friends with Jesus. And on the night Jesus arguably needed him the most, Peter deuced out. He was like, I'm out. I don't know you. Get away from me because you're going down a path like you're getting arrested. You're getting put on trial and ultimately murdered. And Jesus denied, or Peter denied Jesus three times that night. But later, after Jesus rose again, he goes and meets Peter and extends his grace to him. He says, hey, I want you on my team. I need you to do this work to build this church in the power of my name. And later in Peter's life, when he writes a letter to a group of Christians experiencing tremendous grief and trials, he starts it with these words. He says this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter was dialed in to God's grace in his life and the life of this church. In verse 4, he says, Into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. And he says, through who, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all of this, Peter says, in all of this precious gift of God's grace and salvation through Jesus that will never spoil fade, he says, in all of this, you greatly rejoice. He was dialed into the frequency of God's grace. And he said, never leave there. Dial it in, and in this you rejoice. Though for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Verse 7, these have come so that the proven, the genuineness of your faith. He says that as you follow Jesus, as you dial it in to God's grace, as you fix your eyes on the cross of Jesus and never leave there, never graduate to better or deeper things, you'll begin to realize that even pain in your life is for a purpose. 
that these have come. Notice in verse 7, that first phrase, it says, these have come so that they prove the genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Verse 8, for the third time. Though you've not yet seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Do you have that kind of joy? Do you have the kind of joy that even in the valleys and the mountaintops, that you have a joy that is produced by Jesus because you're fixed in, you're dialed in to the frequency of God's grace. Could you take verse 8 that we've read many times this morning and replace that word you with maybe your name or the, just the word I and read it like this. I've not yet seen him, but I love him. And even though I don't see him now, I believe in him. And I am filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Are you dialed in to God's grace? And not just like once a week or on occasion, but are you dialed in so you can listen to that music of his joy that no matter what happens, that you're marked differently than people look at your life. And it doesn't matter what's happening, but you always have a pip in your step. You, you've got this joy, this thing that's like, man, I want more of that. Whatever they got, I want it. I want that kind of joy. And just one practical step that you could do in this is just text the word fruit to the, the number on the screen or just go out of want.info and dial it into God's grace on a daily basis on your own uh, with some devotional primers that we've written as a team through this series that you can spend time with God, not just on Sunday, but every day of the week, and these are used to be a resource for you. But do you have that kind of joy in your life? Do you have that kind of joy that when other people encounter you, they're like, I don't know what it is about them, but I want to be like them. Like, have you encountered these kind of people in your life that you're like, I don't know what is different about them, but there's something different that I want to be like them. And when we're thinking about Christian joy, the church fathers used to call this someone who had gravitas. It's a soul that has developed enough spiritual mass to be attractive, kind of like gravity. But it had nothing to do with gravity. It had nothing to do with their age. And it had nothing to do with the length of time they've spent following Jesus. It just had everything to do with how they had developed as an individual and fixed their focus in on God's grace. And you know, Peter was somebody who had gravitas. And I want to tell you about someone I met in 2018 that exuded and just expressed gravitas to the deepest level. Her name was Miss T. About three weeks after my wife and I, we got married, um, we led a mission trip of junior high students, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade guys and girls to Atlanta. And Miss T was the office manager at the church that we were serving alongside with and actually sleeping on the floor of their uh, worship center on air mats. And, uh, and I noticed about just a few minutes after being there, like less than an hour, that all the ladies on the trip just like gravitated to Miss T. Like they just wanted to be around Miss T. I just noticed it really quick, whether they were a sixth grade girl or they were uh, an adult leader on this trip, they just wanted to be with Miss T. 
Uh, and Miss T ended up actually being our cook for that week as well. She cooked us some meals. Um, and then as the week got on, the, the guys started hanging out with Miss T too. It's just like our whole group, every time we were at that church, they just wanted to be with Miss T. So I was like, I want to be with Miss T. I don't know what's going on. Like, I want to go hang out with this lady too. And she wasn't like uh, an elderly lady, like a, like a grandma type figure that you're like, yeah, I want to go hang out with grandma. Like, no, she was like in her mid-30s. She was a, a young lady who just had something about her that everyone wanted to be around. And she just spoke in faith, like in Bible verses, like no matter what you threw at her or question you asked her, she just, she just expressed faith in how she responded to you. And, and even more than that, she just had so much wisdom that she poured out. And so I was like, man, Miss T, she's got it going on. And she had four uh, young kids all under the age of, of seven um, that were running around the church as well. And they were just great kids to, to be around. But uh, me and one of the other pastors of that church, one of the staff members, we started talking and, uh, and he, he made the reference that Miss T used to be a pastor's wife. And I was wondering, I was like, well, what does used to be mean? Like, I don't, there's not a guy floating around here that seems to be connected to her. So one night, Rena and I, my wife, w- was helping Miss T with dinner, helping her prepare for the 50 or so people that we were cooking dinner for. And uh, we just started chatting, and she shared with us that about six to eight months earlier, her husband, who was a pastor, took all her money and bounced and just left. And like in that moment, if you're anything like me, you're just, you're just gut just puts a knot, and you're just like, you want compassion and empathy, and you want to say the right words, but if you're anything like me, you never have the right words in that moment. And as sorry as I felt, she began to comfort me in the moment. Because in the moment, I'm just thinking like, how are you even standing right now? Because she tells us that she gathers up what money she has left enough to buy plane tickets for the five of them, her and her four kids, and packed up as much luggage as they could fit and flew from where they lived to Atlanta because she knew a couple people at this church, and they got her a job and helped her find a house, and she had to provide for her kids. And I'm just like, man, like, what is going on? This was not supposed to be like this. And I remember her looking me right in the eyes when I'm trying to stumble around and comfort her. And she said, Daniel, my husband left Jesus first and then me and our family second. But Jesus has never left me. And it was just one of these moments when I step back and, and reflect on the moment and think, I want that. That no matter what life throws at me, no matter what circumstances or weather pops up, that I've got a station I'm dialed into so intimately, so intentionally, that no matter what happens in my life, I'm dialed into God's grace and joy will be the product of it. Where I can have moments and seasons in my life where I can say with Paul in 2 Corinthians 6.10, I am sorrowful, I am grieving, yet always rejoicing. Because, you know, Peter, in the first Peter, he had gravitas. He had this a spiritual weight that his soul was grounded. His frequency was dialed into God's grace so intimately that he could say to a church, yeah, you're facing trials, but you're dialed into the grace of God, and you're always rejoicing with great joy. And then Miss T, she had gravitas. No matter what life threw at her, she spoke in faith. She trusted a God who loved her and gave everything for her because she knew 
She was a guilty sinner that had experienced God's grace. And she got to that place and said, I'm not moving from here. Peter had gravitas. Miss T had gravitas. Do you? Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for your grace. And God, my prayer is that we would dial it in to that grace and never move from there. That we would never seek to graduate from it, but we would always just fix our focus on it. That we would dial it into the frequency of your grace, God. And may more people experience that, and can we point them to you. In Jesus' name, amen.